You are listening to the Gromart Podcast. We've been really focused on formulating and engineering a diesel fuel that is right for our customers. Featuring experts in agriculture. We're helping our customers decide when's a good time to sell, when's a good time to merchandise that grain so that they can make a profit. And other system news. It's very important to the Gromark system to encourage the future of agriculture. The Gromark podcast starts now. Welcome back to the Gromark podcast. This is Sam Spence from the agronomy team and podcast listeners. It's been a while since I've been on here. It's good to be back. On this episode, I'm bringing you along for a field trip to one of our crop nutrients terminals in Mapleton, Illinois. I'm joined by Brian Hunman, who serves as our knowledgeable director of facility operations and wonderful tour guide for the day. In the first segment, you'll hear us discussing the trip as we venture to Mapleton, and then we visit with Sheila Jagley and Gary Ferrardo. So come along for the adventure. Brian, I'm really excited for this opportunity today, so I appreciate you organizing this and, and bringing me along for the trip. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate uh, you leaving the office today and taking a tour with me of the Mapleton facility. So really excited to learn about what goes on at Mapleton. And uh, before we jump into all of that, and of course, Gary will be giving us a really good run through of everything that happens, but let's just talk a little bit more high level. Uh, you've been mentioned in some of the podcasts so far, good things I promise, um, about some of the, the level of involvement that you have with our different uh, terminals, um, the work that you do. Rod mentioned uh, some of the different facility operations that take place and then of course in my um, understanding or I'm sorry it's the the gearing up for spring series with crop nutrients we talked about Joe Dillier's team and, and business operations the marketing group that brings a lot of the the products that make it to these terminals and then what happens afterwards um, but from your perspective what is your role all about how long have you been with the Gromark system? And just kind of tell us a little bit about your interactions with the teams inside and outside of the Bloomington office. Sure, uh, my title is Director of Facility Operations. Um, and so I oversee approximately 45 of the Gromark uh, owned and leased uh, crop nutrient facilities. Uh, so a lot of interaction with a lot of different people from uh, Gromark owned facilities where that we have six owned facilities that have Gromark employees and the interaction I have with them on a daily basis. And then we also have a large volume of owned and leased, or leased facilities. Um, and those are, some are managed by FS members. And so I have that great interaction with FS members on a regular basis that are operating our facilities for us. Um, and then also third party facilities where Gromark leases space from a third party and. Um, I have regular uh, interaction with those customers or with those uh, third-party members also so and how long have you been with the system again so I joined uh, Gromark in 2011 um, so I've been with Gromark for seven years overseeing uh, the crop nutrient facilities uh, before that time uh, I had 13 years in commercial real estate so the nice part is I'm able to take uh, the management experience that I have in the past and utilize it on managing the crop nutrient facilities um, and then also using that facility background uh, to be able to take care of all the facility related issues that come up with owning facilities. 
So I'd like to ask our featured guests on the podcast about their experience and background, um, even beyond the Gromark system. So if you grew up on a family farm or even what drew you to the ag industry, and if you haven't grown up on a family farm, if you're not involved with that today, what are some of the things that you've learned in your your time, your seven years so far with Gromark? Yeah, I come from a different perspective. I did not uh, come from a farming background. My background is a real estate background. My uh, father was in real estate for the last 45 years. Um, that's where I started my career. Um, so that's the nice part is I come to Growmark with the real estate background and my job has a lot to do with managing people and managing facilities, uh, which obviously I've got experience in. But the last seven years has been a great learning experience for me from the ag side of the business, uh, learning all the new aspects of the ag industry. Um, and so now after seven years, I feel like I've got a good background and some of the newer people that are coming into Growmark as we take tours of the facilities, I'm able to take that knowledge and um, give it to the newer uh, employees at Growmark. The employees uh, in the Bloomington office, everybody gets busy with their day-to-day -day operations um, and activities that sometimes it's hard for them to be able to get out of the office. And so the proximity of Bloomington with only being 30 to 45 minutes away, the Mapleton Terminal, is a great one to be able to take uh, Growmark employees and bring them out to a facility to show them uh, at the end of the day after uh, they're doing their different business activities. This is where customers are coming to be able to pick up their fertilizer. Um, so it's a, it's a great tool to be able to show them at the end of the day, this is, this is what happens at the terminal level, so. Absolutely, so speaking of terminals and some of the different operations that take place out here um, in particular, let's talk terminology. Some of our podcast listeners may not know about things like NPK or even some of the terms I'm sure we're about to go over with Gary. So could you walk us through some of the, maybe some of the process, some of the high level products, um, high level aspect of the products that we're going to be talking about today? Uh, so at the crop nutrient facilities, uh, we also, we handle several different products, uh, but the ones that's uh, most referred to is uh, uh, fertilizer and fertilizer is what it, the crop nutrient terminals handle on a regular basis um, and so those would be the ureas, the phosphates, um, there's several different fertilizers that customers um, are requesting on a regular basis and Growmark marketing is always trying to do a good job of uh, supplying those fertilizers into these different warehouses. Are these products all going to be kind of in a, a rock sort of substance, a hard substance, or any liquid substances um, housed on these terminals? Yeah, so of the different uh, crop nutrient facilities, they're broken up between dry fertilizer facilities and liquid fertilizer facilities. Um, and so the Mapleton terminal that we'll be visiting today is a dry Growmark-owned facility. Um, but then just down the street, there's one that Growmark uh, is involved in that's called Mapleton Solutions that's a UAN liquid facility. So there's dry fertilizer facilities and there's liquid facilities, and Growmark uh, owns and operates both of those. Now in our discussion as well, you also kind of highlighted um, with some of these facilities, there's there's a wholesale aspect, there's a retail aspect to that. And could you help our podcast listeners understand what the differences might be between those? Sure. On our way over, we were just discussing um, 
the different types of facilities, the wholesale and the retail facility. The Mapleton's uh, terminal that we'll be visiting today we refer to as a wholesale facility uh, that we do not do blending at this facility where a customer would be coming in and picking up just one type of product in a truck. Uh, the retail facility which would be geared more towards uh, going directly to the customer in the field uh, we do blending of fertilizer so you may take uh, urea and a phosphate and blend them together with a 50 50 uh, percentage and load them onto a truck we would have the equipment that would allow us to do that blending at the retail facilities well brian we really appreciate the high level information and i know that we're getting close because we just crossed over the illinois river which is really exciting um, and also we're just going to kind of see how things go today with some of the rain but you know what the rain is actually going to be pretty good because we haven't had it for a few days here and with the plants starting to come up we're actually just crossing over the river and looking at fields i'm assuming this is corn out here um, but you know plants need the water and, and that'll be really good and of course that that's all part of the process that we're learning about between the fertilizers and then even down the road we'll, we'll talk I'll talk to you guys um, podcast listeners about the crop protection needs as well we'll get a chance to highlight that later this summer um, but looking forward to, to getting to meet Gary so that'll be our next segment here. Okay, podcast listeners, so here I am now at the Gromark Mapleton Terminal, Mapleton, Illinois. I uh, just arrived a little bit ago and got a chance to meet Sheila and Gary, who are here at the site. And before we hop in the truck and venture around, because it is kind of a, a rainy day here in Illinois, um, we're going to get a chance to visit with Sheila and just learn a little bit more about what she does here at this particular facility. So Sheila, thanks so much for your time today. Just want to talk a little bit about what your role is like and the history that you've had here at this particular terminal because it goes even beyond when Gromark stepped in here. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was with Hiredin and CF Industries in 1986 and then uh, Gromark took over about six years ago. And um, I basically just run the office. I'm the only woman here. And uh, the drivers come in, uh, give me their number. I put them in the system, weigh them in, tell them where they're to get loaded. They go get loaded. They turn around and come back, and I weigh them out. And then I do basically all the paperwork. Okay. And so I noticed an interesting little device when we first walked into the office, and it's got a couple smiley faces, one not so smiley. Tell us a little bit about this aspect of the customer experience that you're involved with. That is our happy or not system. Um, It's a customer satisfaction survey, basically. And uh, the drivers will ask about it, and... uh, if they're not happy, they'll hit the red button or the dark green button. or And uh, if they're very happy with it, and we've not tooting my own horn or our horn, um, they really like us down here. That's great. And we've got a great crew. They, they interact with all the drivers, and the drivers like that. So they, they'll hit the green button, the happy button all the time. That's great. And and before we were kind of chatting about what that system was like, you mentioned that you guys have had a really great record. What's the percentage here of the, the happy or not? Um, I would say close to 98, 99%. That's incredible. And then in, in terms of the other aspect of, of customer service, we're kind of situated between, is it ag 
Agland FS. We're close to um, Fulton FS. Um, just trying to think quickly about where we are in relation to some of the, yeah, Sunrise Ag is, is out this way. Um, so what kind of customers do you see coming in here? You primarily deal with a lot of the drivers, uh, but give us a highlight of some of the companies that you're interacting with out this way as well. Um, we get those trucks in usually. Um, we deal with, oh boy, West Central, uh, Agland, a lot of the Agland facilities. And uh, then we have a lot of individual drivers, okay. companies that come in, farmers come in with their trucks. Um, so walk us through what that process is as, as someone comes in with an empty truck. Okay, when they come in, they come, come in the gate and they come right on the scale. And then they come in the office, they give me their load number, mm -hmm. and then they go get loaded. And then when they come back, they'll go out on the other scale. And we just, last year, two years, uh, put in a second gate mm -hmm. so there isn't congestion in the one gate. Sure. So we put another gate in so we can bring them in and take them out both at the same time. Okay. And is there a certain weight limit that you're trying to hit? I mean, what's the purpose of getting that weighed in, weighed out? Uh, there's an 80,000 ton limit, or 80,000 pound, I'm sorry, limit, um, and a lot of them with short trailers, that was the long trailers, a lot of the short trailers can only take 72,000. And then we'll talk a little bit more with Gary about the products that are housed on site here. Um, do you have any, any interaction with what's going on? Just behind us, there's a little inlet off of the Illinois River. Mm -hmm. And so are you working with any of the crane operators? Do you, do you measure what's going on with the products coming off of the barges that way? Oh, definitely. Um, we have a lot. We have paperwork brought in for the barge that's going to be unloaded or the rail cars that's going to be unloaded. And... Uh, then we, um, they get done with all that, all, the, you know, unloading, and they'll bring me the paperwork, and then I enter it into the inventory. Okay. That's great. Well, Sheila, thank you so much for your time. And uh, it, could you highlight one more time for us, between Sheila and Gary here at this particular facility, you have how many years of combined service? Combined, we have 64 years together. Wow. Yeah. That, that is an impressive feat. <laughs> that is great. Well, we're clearly visiting with the experts today. And uh, Sheila, again, thank you for your time. I don't want to take up too much of it because I'm sure you're still in a busy mode here as well. And uh, we're probably going to hop in the truck here soon and ride around with Gary and just learn a little bit about side one, side two, and, and all the different products that are, that are stored here. So thank you. You're welcome. First bin back there was triple, triple superphosphate. And then uh, we had some super urea next to it. And then there was some polysulfate. On this side, we had uh, two bins of DAP. And this product here is a powdered BAMP. And then the far bin over there is urea. And these last two bins are MAP, M-A-P. So where, where we're at right now, we're inside one of the Mapleton Terminal, and we're actually kind of doing a little bit of a, a car tour today since we do have some rainy weather and we want to make sure we stay dry um, and also don't want to get this equipment wet. <laughs> but I am joined now by Gary Verardo. He's the manager of terminal operations here at Mapleton. We spoke earlier with Sheila, who he works closely with. And uh, now we're in we're inside one, and we're just kind of taking a look at some of these bins. So for our Growmark podcast listeners, um, this this kind of structure that we're in it sort of looks like on the outside a triangular shed if you will um, and is this what they would call a, a dry dry shed then Gary yeah, yes. okay this would be our dry fertilizer warehouse uh, each one of these bins are hold approximately 5,000 tons 
So there's approximately 40,000 tons of storage in this building. And as you were calling out the different terminology, we tried to kind of provide some high-level information for our podcast listeners um, on the way over. But MAP, muriate of potash, and then DAP is the diammonium phosphate. Uh, and then you had, there was AMS is another one that you had mentioned. And that's where I get a little bit <laughs> stuck. What exactly is that product? Uh, ammonium sulfate. It's, okay. it's on the far side in warehouse too. Okay. And this is actually MAP, it's monomium phosphate. Monomium phosphate, okay. So as, as we're going through this, we'll just kind of try to provide a little bit of description of, of where we are right now. Um, and also to our right on the vehicle we're looking at, there's a, a bin and then it looks like a conveyor belt. So what, can you tell us about what's going on with, with this particular um, machinery? Okay, this is our, our outbound belt. Um, whenever a truck comes under the tower, the guys will come up and... Uh, push their outbound hopper to wherever they're going to load okay. and load their product onto this belt. It runs to the next belt and it gets the weight gets captured, runs up through an elevator, through a screening system, through a, a magnet and uh, the good product goes out to the truck to be, or rail car to be loaded out. The bad product circles back around, gets resized by a chain mill until it's small enough to go back through the screen. Okay, so there's a lot of quality assurance uh, through this process as well, just making sure that we get great products out to our customers as well. And you mentioned rail, so to give our, our Growmark podcast listeners a little bit of an idea of what's going on on this site, there's there's two sides here, side one, side two, um, different sheds, and then you sit off of the the Illinois River, there's a little inlet where we are as well. Um, so we have access via barge, and then there's a little rail system. Could you tell us a little bit, maybe even Brian, if you wanted to hop in more about some of the rail that comes in this way as well? Yeah, so the Mapleton solution or the Mapleton terminal is a unit train facility. So uh, this facility can hold approximately 85 rail cars. Uh, we can either load or unload rail cars here. So it's a nice feature of this facility. Uh, where if uh, one of our marketing group wants to buy or sell a unit train, uh, this is a facility that can handle that. And Gary can talk a little bit about how cars move back and forth here and how we do it here at the terminal. Okay. The guys will start their locomotives and they can either unload or load whatever they're doing on each side. Okay. And we see there's a, a worker here. He's getting ready to clean out a bin, it looks like. Cleaning out some products. So we actually, before we hopped in the in the truck here, we we saw a semi come in. So I got to follow that process with Sheila on uh, getting the weight. The driver came in to pick up his order number, and he's going to be picking up. I think it was urea today. Um, but right now he's he's waiting for the weather to clear out, and he's also going to sweep out the the semi um, just to make sure that it's cleaned up and, and ready to go for any of the product that's coming in. We'll get a chance to highlight the customer receiving the load of urea later in the next segment, but first we continue our tour between side one and side two, and Brian drives us to a maintenance building where two of the train engines on site are stored during colder weather. This is also a location where Gary and his innovative team work on solutions for maintenance needs and continue to maintain equipment around the Mapleton site. Later this year, a new series of rollers and a conveyor belt will be put into place. Brian highlights the savings that Growmark experiences because of the hard work, 
frequent maintenance and new ideas that Gary and the team put into place here. Uh, where um, you see how it's it yeah. basically looks like Straight a cliff, and yeah. And so in some of the warehouses, uh, you got to be careful about our loader operators that the cliffing doesn't get so high that it would fall on okay, them. Yeah. Um, so we've got some pieces of equipment that will attach to our loader that we can take and knock down the cliffing. Um, and we'll do that at all the really Growmark-owned facilities where we've got urea. We've got equipment that will help knock down piles so it keeps it safe for our employees. Okay. Is, is that because of the kind of the granular makeup of urea that it just tends to to cliff like that? Yeah, and depending how long the urea has been sitting in the building, um, some of it will be pushed back, so it may sit for a long period of time and it just sets up. Um, and so you've got to be able to deal with that as you get low on inventory. Obviously, all of it's got to go out to customers at some point. Um, so that's where we utilize those tools that attach to the loader to be able to knock down the cliffing. Gary, so as we are watching uh, one of the workers here on site prepare for that load of urea, could you take a moment and share with our podcast listeners the record of, of safety that you have here? Um, what is the, the length of time that you guys have been able to celebrate um, this, this accomplishment for the zero lost time days here on this, this particular site? So I think our last uh, lost time accident was actually in 1996. And if I'm not mistaken, that's somewhere around 7,500 uh, work-free days, no lost time accidents. Which is really important. I mean, obviously, highlighting the dedication to, to safety, um, looking over our people, and just making sure that the operations are running smoothly here on site. How many people do you have that work here at this facility? We visited with you today, and, and we're also, we spoke with Sheila earlier, but how many people does it take to run these different operations? So there, there are seven guys, and Sheila and myself, at this facility. And do they all have very specific roles, or are they able to kind of jump in and, and work together on different projects or tasks? You know, what we try and do is we try and uh, have everybody be able to do every job. So it really helps on flexibility. If somebody's off, everybody can do every job at the facility. Okay. And what kind of roles do you have here at the facility? What what on any given day, what could somebody be working on or doing? In any given day, the, the guys will be loading trucks on every day, basically, or rail cars. And then, you know, any day you have a barge, you'll have a crane operator and a guy that's pushing up in the barge and cleaning the barge as you're unloading it. And then daily, you always have maintenance projects that you're doing and keeping the facility up. Now, when we came in, Brian pointed out the cranes on either side of the inlet here um, as they kind of, it looks like they work on unloading the barges. Um, is that a part of the maintenance as well? Do you guys maintain some of that? And it looked like a bucket of some sort might be missing from one of the cranes. Sure, absolutely. The, uh, we have a crane on each dock and they're both uh, almost identical cranes. They're both running about eight yard buckets and the guys are in charge of all the maintenance and everything on each piece of equipment. So. And then every every so often for maintaining even just this space, uh, you have to go through dredging for, is it is it the silt? What is that process like? Absolutely. So the, the Illinois River carries a little bit of silt and it drops it into our, our canal here. And then we are responsible for digging the slip to the depth so we can get a barge in. So about every two years or so, we're dredging about five to 8,000 yards of material out which is quite a little bit of silt. 
uh, the way that it will work is is that the outbound conveyor that Gary was just showing you. Um, so we've got a control um, little office up there above where the truck is. And that is where it controls how much is going into that truck and when it goes into that truck. So the truck pulls under the loadout tower, which we can drive over there and see. But that's how that whole process works as far as outbound conveyor heads right over here to the to the tower and our guys are up one of our guys is up there controlling how much goes into the truck. Okay. So they're gonna be loading out and they'll be loading out somewhere in the neighborhood of three hundred tons per hour. And typically, how, how many tons comes in on a barge? Okay, so a barge is right at 1,500 tons, a little bit less than a rake barge and a little bit more in a box barge. And where are these barges coming from? Okay, most of our barges come from the Gulf uh, through New Orleans. Most of the phosphate products, or almost all the phosphate products, are made in Florida. They come over on a ship and get reloaded onto a barge and then it'll come up the Illinois waterway system. See, it starts loading, they're gonna radio you or something, Gary? Yes. So, Sam, you can see our, our side one is this one, and this is where we unload barges. Mm -hmm. um, and then side two is obviously over there. Uh, basically, identical setups as far as the cranes, the hoppers that material is put in and the conveyor system that takes the product from the hopper into the buildings. Okay. Um, when, when all the products are coming in off of the off of the barge, are they typically covered or are they ever opened? So they have to be shielded? Okay. They are always covered, always. Uh, you normally fire fiberglass lifts on the barge for covers, sometimes steel tops or roll tops. So typically, barges, when Gary and his staff get here, barges will be brought in, um, and his oh, first 45 minutes or so is used um, or taking the lids off the barges. Mm -hmm. um, and then from that point, uh, they're able to start unloading the barge. Um, usually it takes, depending on what the product is and how much the barge, um, how much material is in the barge, uh, probably a seven, eight hour day, Gary, wow. to get a barge unloaded. Uh, the nice part about having the two unloading locations is it allows Growmark to be able to unload two barges in a day, um, one going into side one and one going into side two. So if there's a particular product that we're low on um, or two, uh, we're able to get two barges off in the same day and be able to replenish our inventory um, on a particular day. Wow. So, Gary, speaking of your, your days, could you walk us through what you're like just a, in a typical day in the life, <laughs> what what is it like when you, the moment that you get here in the mornings, and what are some of the operations and the people that you interact with as you work here at, at this site? So when I get here in the morning, uh, I'll actually uh, start all all the computers and I'll start weighing trucks in. I normally start with two of my operators, and we get here first thing is we'll start loading trucks before the rest of the crew gets here. Uh, normally, when the rest of the crew gets here at seven. That's when we'll start unloading our barges and doing our rail stuff. But uh, we start loading trucks first thing in the morning about 6. Typically, Sam, uh, w during busy season, spring and fall, uh, Gary and his staff here could load anywhere from 100 to 120 trucks in a day would wow. be a busy uh, a day. So uh, a lot of activity going on here. Um, and the good part about, as Gary has mentioned, his staff is cross-trained. So. Mm -hmm. 
any one of the uh, team members here can do any of the activities, so it really makes for an efficient operation uh, with 100 or 120 trucks coming in a day. You've got to be efficient, and Gary and his staff do a good job of getting that done. Absolutely. So what is the schedule like as the barges come in? Do you know, looking out across this week, what, what you're going to be receiving this week? So absolutely. So the, the barges, the nice thing about a barge is a barge moves slow, mm -hmm. so you know exactly when it's going to be coming in and you can track it all the way up the river system. The logistics guys keep you uh, opposed to where, where all these barges are. So you know exactly when they're gonna come in. Mm -hmm. So as we talk about the teams, let's just take a, a quick step back here. Uh, you have your team on site that we've already highlighted, Gary, and then you also interact with different people at the Gromark building in Bloomington. Can you talk to us, and, and Brian, feel free to jump in because I know you are always running around the office. Um, talk to us about some of the teams that help keep these operations rolling smoothly. Well, uh, the nice part about these facilities is you're working with so many different aspects of Growmark, uh, whether it's the marketing team on what products they're going to put in the facilities, uh, how much space that they want at the facilities, or you're working with logistics on when a rail car will show up or when a barge is going to arrive. Um, or the customer service part of the business where our customers are coming here, we want to maintain a high level of customer satisfaction. And we spoke earlier of the 98 to 100 percent on a regular basis. Uh, Gary and his team and also the customer service team in Bloomington do a good job of making sure that um, orders are put through and that they're ready to go when customers show up. So. The nice part about the Growmark system um, and the facilities is we work with so many different aspects of the people back in Bloomington, and this is kind of the end game of where our customers come uh, to pick up their orders. So um, it's, it's a great uh, team uh, setup where we've got a lot of different team members working together to get the job done. The conveyor system that you saw over there, mm -hmm. all the framework of it is over the years is deteriorating. Well, typically at, I'm not going to pick out all the different facilities, but like some of them we would have to hire in, um, contractors to mm -hmm. come in and do the work. Uh, here at Mapleton, uh, Gary and his guys um, built all of the um, conveyor system that sits over here to the side. Wow. And they, they built it, they install it. There's no third party that's involved with any of that. So the dollar saved. Um, is substantial dollars that are saved by having him and his staff do the work here. Wow. Um, and this is where the engines are stored um, during the winter or during when the weather's bad. They don't sit outside, we store them inside. Okay. Um, and then this is also a warehouse um, where we can store spare parts. So if we have an outage, uh, for some reason there's a breakdown, our guys usually have the parts on hand um, to be able to do the repairs. So the downtime would be very limited. Okay. So, so I see that there's a, a track that goes in here and then it looks like it could just nestle into that little stopping point. What's this yellow piece here? Is that big like yellow, a that's, a, that's a big jib crane and that's how we do most of our maintenance, uh, like building our conveyors mm -hmm. or, or working on all of our equipment. Yeah, so um, any of the really maintenance related items, um, we're able to do inside, uh, especially with the weather in Illinois. Yeah. Uh, you know, it gives us the ability to be able to do a lot of the maintenance types of items that maybe some of the other facilities wouldn't be able to do because of weather. So, okay. we load trucks. 
and you can load rail car, right? Okay. The one thing that you can't do over here that you can do over on the other side is you can um, not unload rail cars over here where on side one you can unload rail cars. Okay. So if there's a product that the guy, that the marketing group wants to uh, bring in uh, by rail car, we got to make sure that that product is stored on side one because you can't unload it on side two. Mm -hmm. So that's really the only difference between the two sides as far as the abilities to do different types of work. Um, it's really, we can't unload rail cars on side two, but we can on side one. Mm -hmm. So for our, our podcast listeners, just to reiterate, when Brian's talking about the marketing team, that's specific to our crop nutrients division, um, our marketing managers, that would include, we heard from um, Joe Dillier, he's the director of the supply and merchandising or the manager over that area. Um, Joe Kilgus joined us as well, so he's a part of that team. Um, we also have different people like Eric Rettmeyer, um, Mallory Danini, Mark Miller, I'm trying to go through all that, Craig Rule is in, involved with that, Dan Engel as well. Um, and then we have uh, several different folks that work outside of the office but are still very tied in. So on the bill of ladings sheet, I noticed Graham Utter, uh, his name is on there as well. So he's ensuring that product's making it back and forth to these different locations. Now one of the things that I wanted to ask uh, Brian or, or Gary, um, on this particular site, this is strictly a crop nutrients facility. We don't have any crop protection products out this way or anything for energy. That's correct. This is a crop nutrient only facility. Uh, each facility we analyze on uh, what products we want to store where, whether that's uh, crop protection items or whether or not we want to handle some sort of other product that's not uh, crop nutrient related. Um, and this terminal is one uh, because of the volume that we put through the crop or through the Mapleton facility that uh, we choose just to offer uh, crop nutrients at this terminal. Okay. Are there any other terminals that we have um, that we also store the crop nutrient products at that also have the crop protection or the, the energy locations aside from the warehouses that we also are involved with? Yeah. Uh, one that comes to mind is our Casey, Illinois terminal. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a terminal that started out where it was a crop nutrient uh, terminal and then working with customers we realized that there was a need for crop protection items there so uh, there was uh, equipment and uh, materials added to service customers not only from the crop nutrient site but also the crop protection site so that's one where we work with our customers to determine uh, you know whether or not there would be a benefit by having both or a actually adding energy or whatever product that it may be uh, whether or not that it would uh, service our customers better. Mm -hmm. So going back to your your experience with real estate, is this also part of your involvement, just taking a look at the land that is, is close to a lot of these different um, customer territories and trying to find the best placement so that we could get products and services to them? Yeah, one of our goals actually for this year was to analyze the terminals and see uh, where we could uh, benefit by using uh, the terminals for other products, whether that's crop uh, protection items or energy, or whether or not there was a third-party company that would be able to utilize part of our facility that uh, Growmark is not uh, utilizing. Uh, so that's one of the initiatives this year is is to look at the terminals, analyze how we can use them and um, benefit our customers. Okay. This is loadout tower one. Okay. And the truck's just coming under here to load. So. Uh, the truck driver's given the operator's weight, how many tons he wants, and how many tons on each axle. So he's going to start the conveyor system up, and they'll start loading him in that belt that we looked at inside. Okay. 
So the operator up there is going to be controlling the truck through these traffic lights that we have mounted. Mm -hmm. He has a series of traffic lights. He can have the truck driver move as these products coming into his trailer. Uh, Gary, typically, uh, how long does it take to load a truck so, from start to finish? So they'll be loading about 300 tons per hour. Um, it'll take six to seven minutes to load this truck. So to quickly summarize the process that I got to see today, it began with Sheila's interaction with the driver that came to pick up the load of product. We watched as the operators on site positioned equipment and prepared to load the semi. Then while on our tour, I could hear the team radioing across the site to ensure that the tower and corresponding load sites were ready. When the driver was given the go-ahead, he was positioned underneath the tower and loads of urea began to fill the semi under the watchful eye of the operator. At the same time, we drove around into the shed to watch one of the employees operating the front loader, putting urea into the hopper, and we watched it as it traveled up the conveyor through the system to ensure the driver got fine particles, and then it was on the semi. Overall, it was a quick, smooth process, and when the load was completed, the driver weighed out and was on his way. I hope you enjoyed learning about the operations at the Gromark Mapleton Terminal. My sincere thanks to Brian Hunman, Gary Verardo, Sheila Jagley, and team. At the end of the day, as we parted, I paused in the office to share my appreciation, and if you're wondering, I got to hit the happiest button on the kiosk. Well, podcast listeners, if you like this episode, don't forget to visit our page online, gromark.podbean.com, or the Podbean app. Click the like button, and remember, sharing is caring, so encourage your family, friends, and colleagues to tune in. Thanks for your support, and thank you for tuning in to the Gromark Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gromark Podcast. You can find other episodes on Podbean or on a supported podcast app.